0: If you have your copy of the scriptures with you, I would invite you to look with me in the book of Revelation. This morning we're going to look again at Revelation 21 and 22. And I'll read some selections from those two chapters together. Um, But before I do that, I wanted to mention just a couple things. Uh, One is, and I I don't do this very often, but a couple times a year. I want want to encourage you to give as the end of the year approaches. Um, I know most of us get a lot of requests this time of year, and that's good. I just don't want you to forget about your church. Think about Christ's prayers as you think about your end of your giving. Think about Christ's prayers if you've never given of what you make. Think about giving to the Lord, not just your time, like being present here, not just the things that the Lord has given you and loving other people, but also think about how you use your resources for investing in His kingdom. Remember, God gives us everything. All the talents we have, all the jobs that we have, our families, our friends, even our resources, it all belongs to him. So don't forget about giving to his kingdom. It's one of our biggest idols, it's one of the things we struggle with the most, is what we do with our money. We don't have a problem using it on ourselves, do we? It's not hard to click that uh, buy now Amazon button. But what's hard is to give to his kingdom for whatever reason. So I just wanna encourage you to pray about it and think about it. There are things we'd like to do with missions. We'd like to do some things with our facilities. We'd like to do some things with support staff. There are all kinds of things that we could use um, God's money with to serve him and to expand his kingdom. So keep that in mind, pray about it. More, uh, more particularly and more importantly, let's look at the Bible. So, this morning we're wrapping up. Oh, actually, we've got one more week, but this will be my last sermon of the year. Next week, you're still going to get Revelation 21 and 22, so we're not even done with it this week. But as you know, we spent this entire year rummaging through the Bible to understand what the Bible's about. And most of us have probably grown up thinking that the Bible is advice for our lives. So, we studied the Bible in order to get principles, in order to get morality in order to think right and do right. And I hope by now, you're at least a little bit further down the road of being more convinced that the Bible's not so much advice for life as it is a story. And it's actually the story that defines who we are. And God has given us this story to tell us where we came from, what happened, what will fix it, and where we are going. Those are the four parts of the story that God has given us, and that's what defines our lives. So with that said, listen to this from Revelation 21 and 22. This is some of the best stuff I can ever read to you, so I I don't get tired of reading it, even if I mess up. It's just so glorious to read this. Listen to this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. Then skip down to verse 9 of chapter 21. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates 12 angels. And on The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width are in height, are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits, by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass." The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the ninth chrysophras, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring it into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. "'Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, "'but only those who are written "'in the Lamb's book of life. "'Then the angel showed me the river "'of the water of life, bright as crystal, "'flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb "'through the middle of the street of the city. "'Also on either side of the river, "'the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, "'yielding its fruit each month.' And they will reign forever and ever. Mm. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand what you have in store for us. At least a a sniff, a glimpse of it. Lord, this is a time of year in which we think about your coming, Jesus. That you are willing to come into a world of horrific brokenness and sadness and loss. God, we confess that there's even times in which we want to think that that is the way it should be and normal we read your word, and we think about what you have done, Jesus, and the promise of what's to come, and we realize that you have so much more in store for us. So help us to think your thoughts, O Lord. Jesus, help us to know more and more that you have actually accomplished something, and that, that changes everything about our lives and the future and eternity. Holy Spirit, make Jesus irresistible to us again and again and again, that just getting a sight of him with our hearts might change us. We pray this for your glory. We pray this so you might work that glory deeper and deeper into us. And we know this is possible because of all that you are, Jesus, and what you have done. So we, we, we present these concerns to you and, and make our prayers to you uh, through what you have done. You are our hope. Amen. Remember, the point of Revelation is this. God always finishes what he starts. Remember that? And because God always finishes what he starts, that means that we have hope. Hope. And hope is what we've been thinking about last week, and it's what we're gonna continue to think about this week. Last week, we looked at the reality that hope is written into the entire story. Last week, we looked at the idea that we are hardwired for hope. This week, we're gonna look at two more things. The first thing we're gonna look at is this. We have the hope of invading glory. And secondly, we're gonna think about this. We have the hope that all things will be made new. We're gonna think about those two things this morning. The hope of invading glory and the hope that all things will be made new. Before we jump into those, I wanna summarize chapters one through 20 because they're all leading up to and building up to chapter 21 and 22. So let's just very quickly, this is my hopefully three minute summary of all of Revelation. So you can get in your mind what the book is about. It's not really that difficult because it's not a code book. It's like an impressionistic painting to fire up your imagination. So if you like this, think of a blank canvas in your mind and just start painting pictures up so you can meditate on them and think on them. So here we go. Revelation 1 through 20. Here's a summary. Chapter 1. We get a vision of Christ throughout the whole chapter, billboarded to the first phrase of verse one of chapter one. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whole chapter is a picture of Christ. Chapters two and three are letters written to the churches in which Christ is in the middle of. So he writes to his church and talks to his church while he's right there with them. Chapters four and five reorient us to the only reference point that matters in the entire universe, the throne of God. Chapters 4 and 5 reorient our entire existence to the throne of God. After that, we have cycles of seven, seals, trumpets, and bowls. You might remember that chapter 4 and 5 talk about who is worthy to open the seal. Remember that a little bit? Well, After chapter 5, we get seven seals in which we understand this. Um, It's hard living in a broken world. And that's what those seven seals represent. And guess where we end up at the end of the seventh seal? The throne. And guess what happens when we get to the throne? Silence. The next seven, trumpets. Same things god is telling us how unstable the world is and after telling us that through these seven trumpets guess where we end up the throne and guess what we have this time when we get to the throne we're a little bit we're getting a little bit closer to 21 and 22 in in the idea world judgment we go from silence to judgment Then we have seven bowls in which it's God's angle on all the rebellion and wickedness and sin in the world. It's his angle on the rebellion and sin that we have to endure and that we're part of. And guess where it ends? The throne. And guess what we hear this time? It is finished. The words of Jesus on the cross are echoed at the end to remind us that all of history and all of sin is anchored in Jesus. Then after that, chapters 12 through 15, we have the counterfeit, the counterfeit trinity. Then in 17 through 20, we have the counterfeit trinity defeated. And guess what happens? We end, where would you think? The throne. And guess what happens when we end at the throne? This time, all evil is put down forever and ever, and there is celebration and joy that erupts because evil is no more. And that leads us to chapter 21 and 22, in which we get to see what it's going to be like once evil is no more and sin is no more and darkness is no more. And that's what we're looking at today, hope. We have the hope of invading glory. I want to break this down for you. I wish I could go, Revelation is not one of those books where you can just go verse by verse. It's not that way. Because it's giving you images to think about and process. So let's look at this, the hope of invading glory. What in the world is being talked about here? Well, if you look in chapter 21, what we read, verses 9 through 27, what you find there is something of the dimensions Of invading glory. And you notice when we read that this number 12 seems to be really important and significant. 12 is representative of completion. In other words, what God is telling us here about what this new city is gonna look like, the new heavens and new earth, the new city that's made up and also looks like a bride, is meant to communicate something of absolute completion and perfection. So that's why the number 12 is used over and over. Gates, foundations, even 144, excuse me, is that right? 144 stadia, 12 times 12. Then you have uh, 12 times 1,000, 1,200. Everything is revolving around this number 12. We're supposed to think about completion. You see, it's actually a cube that's being described. It's all the same size all the way around. It's like 1,400 miles long and high. At the same time, you've got 12 gates that are associated with this city that's coming down out of heaven. Glory is invading our world. And the 12 gates that are there have names on them. There's three gates on the east and the west and north and the south. Those 12 gates represent the 12 tribes. And then you have 12 foundations. And the text says that those are representative of the 12 apostles. In other words, what's happening here is that God is saying that when the heavens come down and the new city comes down out of heaven, it will be the collection of all of God's people throughout all of history. So whatever was hoped for through Israel in the Old Testament is now brought to its fullest completion. Whatever was built on the apostles now reaches its full completion, So that throughout all of history, God has had one plan, one purpose, and one people. And they will all be together. And he will come with them from heaven down to earth. The dimensions of this are staggering. The the, the thickness of the walls is like 214 feet thick. It's meant to let you see that it is impenetrable. It's meant to help you understand that the gates are never closed because there's no danger. It's meant to help you understand that people come to God through Jesus from all directions of the globe so that you might be overwhelmed with this people of God that he has been pursuing and saving and gathering together throughout all of history. So that you might understand that this invading glory that you hope for to put a really um, oversimplified fine point on it, you'll get to see all of your believing friends again and family. Won't it be something else to talk with King David? Won't it be nice to talk to other people that you miss in your own families? One day it's gonna happen. One day God's people will all come back. Well, it's not just that we get the dimensions of this incredible, incredible moment in history when God returns with his people to earth. It's not just that we get dimensions. We get something else. This place is full of light and life. Did you notice that? It's full of light. There's no need for the sun or the moon. The lamb is the lamp. And God is the lamp the light the radiance of God and the glory of God will be all the light that we will ever need God himself will be with us and we will be able to see everything that we need to see and we will be able to see everything in the way we're supposed to see it because it will be the light that comes from God remember in the beginning God spoke and light was created do you remember that Then when God came to earth in the form of Jesus, when the God-man lived on this earth, do you remember what he said? I am the light of the world. And now, in Revelation 21 and 22, what we see is that God himself, the triune God, will be the light and by it we will see everything. By him we will see as if we have never seen before. And there will be no darkness. That sound interesting to you? Does that sound like it's going to be fun and amazing? And it's not just that there's going to be God himself as our light. But this place is full of light and life. Did you notice in chapter 22 we read together that there is going to be this river of life and there's going to be the tree? Did you notice that? that we will have everything that we need that will sustain our glorified bodies forever and ever. We will have living water that will sustain us. We will have fruit from the trees that's produced 12 fruit each in its season, we will have the nourishment that our glorified bodies need to grow and exercise and work and worship and rest and tend and keep and manage and organize and name and create and enjoy being together for all eternity. We'll have all the nourishment that we need, everything that we need. This place is full of light and full of life and it gives us exactly what we need. And it's not just that it's full of light and life and it's not just that we get a glimpse of the staggering dimensions of this that's meant to fire up our imagination to understand that everything will be complete and everything will be whole. God is at the center. Did you notice that? The hope of invading glory means that God will be the center. The promise of Scripture, beloved, is this. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Did you hear it repeated in what we read? The promise of Scripture that's in the Old Testament, that's in Genesis, and the other books, the other four books in the beginning, the law, It's also in the prophets, it's also in the Psalms, it's also in the New Testament. This is the promise of scripture, that God will be with us and we will be with him and he will be our God and we will be his people. And here it is in the fullest expression. God will be at the center. And not only will he be at the center, but did you notice that the text says we will see his face? What is it gonna be like when we finally get to lay eyes on the one that we have heard about and known and read about and heard his word? What will it be like to see him? To see the one that we wanna see? To see the one that we long for? What will it be like to look at God and to see his face? What will it be like to see the one who is perfection himself? That day is coming. And oh, by the way, when we see him, God is not going to pull us aside and say, well, I'm glad you're here. Let's replay some of the events in your life. He's not going to start lecturing us. He's not going to walk us down memory lane and start wondering, "Eh, well, what was going on here and what was going on there? Beloved, with God at the center of the new heavens and the new earth, and when we see his face, this is what he's going to say to us, at least from the start. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Because there are times where I think if I were to see God, he would say, Dave, I really got some questions for you. Wonder why in the world did you do this? Why'd you do that? And then I'm reminded, no. His first words to me are gonna be, well done. And I think that's gonna crush me. Because I can't believe he'd be saying that to me. Not only well done, but well done, good and faithful servant. Oh Lord, do you know how unfaithful I am? It's been paid for, Dave. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I don't deserve that, Lord. Oh, I know. I love you because I love you. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what he's going to say to all of us that have Christ. That's what we're going to hear from God. And then we'll be with him and all of his people in perfect harmony in absolute completeness and perfection. Beloved, that day is coming. We have this hope of invading glory. Reminds me of my two favorite quotes about heaven. I'll, I'll tell them to you. The first is basically a paraphrase of a guy named Clive Lewis. This is what he said. All of history is but the cover of and the title page and when we are drawn in to chapter 21 and 22 we will open up the beginnings chapter 1 of the greatest story that was ever told and it never ends and each chapter is greater than the one before here's my other favorite quote about heaven this was written by a guy Around the year 400. Hmm. All will be amen and alleluia. We will rest and we will see. We will see and we will know. We will know and we will love. We will love and we will praise. Behold our end which is, which has no end. Beloved, we have the hope of invading glory, that God will be the center, that we will see his face, and he will welcome us with open arms and love us like we have only gotten a glimpse of in this life. And don't forget that the hope of this invading glory is coming down. How many times do we read together in chapter 1 and ch- 21 and 22 that the new, he- that new heavens and new earth is coming down? Now, just briefly, before I emphasize that, let's talk about this word new. Before we get to think about coming down, let's just talk about new. What, what does this mean, New. Well, when God communicates this to us through the Apostle John, new does not mean that it had not existed before. New is talking about a qualitative difference. New is describing something that is qualitatively different that has already existed. The new heavens and the new earth already exist. It's just that they will be qualitatively different than they are right now. And God has prepared us for this throughout the scriptures. Do you remember this idea of the new commandment that Jesus gives us? It not, it's not the, the, that the commandment didn't exist before Jesus made it the new commandment, it was that it is qualitatively different, its origin already was present. How about a new heart? God qualitatively changes our heart. It's not that our heart didn't exist before, it was dead to him, spiritually broken and dead. How about the new covenant? In just a few moments we're gonna take of communion together. Remember the new covenant in my blood? It's not that the covenant never existed. It's just qualitatively different. It's new in that sense. And the new heavens and the new earth will be exactly the same way. So, beloved, God will never surrender earth. He won't do it. He's coming down. And he's going to change everything qualitatively. And if you say, well, doesn't the Bible talk about how, how earth is going to be burnt up? Isn't that what Peter says? Absolutely. And when Peter says that the earth will be burnt up, it has nothing to do with destruction. In the Bible, more often than not, fire has to do with purification so that the world will be renewed, so that it will be qualitatively the way that it was designed to be, so that evil and darkness and sin and pain will be no more, but there will be light, and there will be life, and there will be no threats. And the new heavens and new earth will be one. One. So just in case you've ever heard that this earth is going to be destroyed, that's not what the Bible's teaching. Just in case you've heard, that new means that something is brand new. That's not what the Bible's teaching. And more than that, heaven is coming down. You see, our great hope is not to go up Our great hope is not to escape. The great hope is that God will come down to us with his people and restore everything. Beloved, our hope is that God continues to pursue us. He's always pursued. He's always initiated. He's always come after us. He's always moving toward us. And that is the great hope that we have for invading glory is that we want God to return and bring heaven with him and purify our own hearts completely and purify the world and make it qualitatively what it should be because of what Christ has done. Beloved, that's our hope. We have the hope of invading glory. And if I can summarize this briefly Beloved, the day is coming in which infinite and eternal glory will invade every public and private sector. And that invading glory will permeate everything that is broken or abandoned. Everything that is unresolved. That infinite glory will come into and invade all of the inconsolable things that we have to live with right now. And that invading glory will deal with all of the brokenness, all of the injustice, all of the dastardly things. And he will make it new. And at that time, We will be drawn into the fellowship of the triune God. And we will be drawn into the community of the Trinity and how it operates and works together in all of its love and beauty. And we will be drawn into that and we will revel in that for all of eternity. Beloved, the full extent of the cross, the full significance of the cross of Christ and the full significance of the empty tomb will be completely realized and experienced. And if that doesn't make sense to you, then maybe hang what I'm trying to say on this idea. Do you know the Lord's prayer that we say every now and then? It will be literally true. So next time you say it, don't just think of it as a a guide for prayer. It is, but it has a future reality. It will be the time in which God's name is hallowed the way that it should be. It will be the time in which his kingdom has come. It will be the time in which his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It will be the time in which there will be no more sin and no more forgiveness because we will experience the fullness of forgiveness. It will be the time in which we will have everything that we need to live, water and food forever. It will be the time in which his will be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, the hope that we have is the hope of invading glory. The second thing we'll look at, and this will be quicker, thank you for enduring. Here's the second thing. We have the hope of all things made new. All things made new. You see, when you go back and read Revelation 21 and 22, you'll find that heaven is defined in, in two ways. Again, I'm going to briefly cover this. The first, when you read Revelation 21 and 22, uh, if you're like me, you're struck at um, how many things, how many descriptions there are of what heaven is not. Do you notice that? No moon, no sun, no pain, no sorrow. No temple, no death, on and on. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 27 of, at the end of, 21, of chapter 21, and you look at verse 8 of chapter 21, what you'll find is that heaven, what John is saying there is heaven is not hell. It gives a list of, of people that won't be there, idolaters, sexually immoral, Uh, liars. There'll be no detestable thing, God says. Beloved, heaven is not hell. Heaven is where everything is defined by Jesus. And if you read about liars and sexually immoral and idolaters and you think, that's me, me too. But on this day, Chapter 21 and 22, on this time, at this time, all that's done away with, because everything's defined by Jesus. Jesus has paid for all of those. Hell is the place where things are defined by you and me. Heaven is the place where God and Jesus define everyone and everything that is there. And the other way that heaven is defined, is not by what is not there, Heaven is defined by we get to experience the good things we have now just in their fullest expression. We have God's presence now, but then it'll be fuller and better. We're going to get to be with our brothers and sisters now, but the day is coming in which we'll be with them all. We love Jesus and are growing in our love for him and learning about his love for us. One day, that'll define everything about us and everything about everything. And if you notice, even at the end of chapter 21, the day is coming in which God's people are gathered from all over the world and they will bring their glory into heaven. As if to say this, whether you realize it or not, we all have our own culture. And one day, the day is coming in which all the cultures of all of God's people will even be redeemed, so that the best of our culture and American culture, the best of it, will be present. And what's bad about our culture will be done away with. And the emphasis of people that live in the Far East and their culture will be represented, so that all of the cultures, of all of God's people, all over the world will sing and express their joy and worship in God forever and ever and ever. And we will learn different cultures. And we will understand our own. And we will understand all that God is all over the world for all of his people. And we will learn and learn and learn and learn. And we will praise God together with all of his people. How in the world can we experience the hope of all things made new. I don't want you to leave here without thinking, how, how can I experience the hope of all things made new? And I'll tell you, the way that you can experience it is to think about what reality are you living into? What reality are you living into? You see, there's one reality that thinks this, that what Jesus did a couple thousand years ago really didn't accomplish anything. Yes, he died. Yes, he rose from the dead. But basically what that means is that he put sin on notice. And so the expectation is that from that time forward, things will get worse and worse and worse. And that creates this sense of fear. So every decision that we make is out of fear. So we better protect our children not prepare them. So we should not engage the world that we live in. We need to withdraw and not be contaminated by anything out there. Fear, fear, fear. And the hope is escape. That somehow we'll get raptured out. That's the hope. Beloved, if if you're living into that reality, just recognize that your hope is almost exclusively in the future. In the last minute, after things get horribly bad, and worse and worse and worse, your hope is that Jesus swoops in and gets us out. you have another alternative? You don't even have to think that because Jesus has put sin on notice, you don't even have to carry the pressure of wanting to share your faith because you think if you share your faith enough and do it enough that you can Uh, hasten his return. You don't have to live with that pressure. Here's another reality you can live into. That Jesus, through his death and resurrection, actually accomplished something 2,000 years ago. That he actually defeated death and Satan back then. And that living into the future, we can expect evil to continue to grow all over the world. We can expect that. But we know what is invincible. And what is invincible is the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. And so even if we expect things to get worse, we focus on what is invincible. And we want to share our faith and live out our faith because of what Christ has accomplished. Not because we're carrying the weight of some unbelievable responsibility that if we just do our job, then things could be better and Christ will come back sooner. We can share our faith out of joy and love and hope because we actually believe Christ accomplished something and he is victorious and we can live a victorious life as we march forward to the final victory because the final victory of Christ is anchored in the historical victory of Christ. Beloved, you can live into this hope that all things are made new if you focus on Jesus and the reality of what he has accomplished. Seven times in these chapters, Christ is laid out as the lamb, the one who was slain. Seven times so that we might focus our attention on Christ, so that we can have the hope of all things new because of Christ, and he actually did something. Beloved, do you get it? Go back and read 21 and 22. Do you, can you see the whole of Scripture through these chapters? Beloved, do you know why you get the tree of life? Because Christ took the tree of death for you so you are guaranteed the tree of life. Beloved, do you know why you get the river of life? Because Christ was willing to drink the bitter cup of vinegar. Beloved, do you know why there's no temple anymore in the new heavens and new earth? Because Christ entered into the most holy place to bring us to God. Beloved, Do you know why there will be no night there? Because 2,000 years ago, Christ endured darkness and the wrath of God at midday so that we would have the light of God's countenance now and forever, do you see it? the hope of all things new is anchored in what Jesus has accomplished for you and for me. And that means that we can have little pieces and glimpse of hope in our lives now that build upon each other and add to each other as we get closer and closer to his return. You know what some of those glimpses of Our hope is, it's things that we like to overlook. Perhaps at times we like to overlook. It's the things that are mostly mundane. The things that you can't manufacture. Those glimpses of all things made new because of what Christ has done looks a lot like this, friendship. You have any true friends in your life? That's a glimpse of all things being made new. Do you you enjoy meals with people? Sharing your life with people? Actually sitting down at a meal and enjoying a meal together, beloved, that is a glimpse of all things made new. Those of you that enjoy wine, do you enjoy wine to the glory of God? Beloved, that is a glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. Do you enjoy forgiveness? Not only being forgiven, but forgiving other people and the power of forgiveness? That's a glimpse of the world to come. Do you enjoy truth? Do you enjoy hearing truth even sometimes when it hurts? The truth about who you are or opportunities when you get to share the truth in love? Do you have an appetite and a desire for truth? That's a glimpse of the world to come. Do you enjoy exercising, spending time with your friends, enjoying hobbies and whatnot? It's a glimpse of the world to come. Do you enjoy work? Do you find anything about it rewarding at all? I know, I know, think hard. Do you find any any type of joy in work? Beloved, it's a glimpse of the world to come. And that's what brings us to the table.